Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to receive your word. And God, and I ask you as a, a foul-mouthed person to take a coal from the fire of the altar now and touch my tongue and may I speak words of life to those that need it, words of wisdom to those that need it. May I get out of the way. Father, may your application be all that matters. Remind me of anything you want me to say that will help somebody gain wisdom because your word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. May it be so tonight by the power of your spirit and only by your spirit. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. amen. Chapter 23 starts an interesting um, phase in the book of Proverbs for us. It's now more than ever going to become apparent that you need to make your own application. For some of the things that you're going to hear tonight, you're going to be like, that sounds wise, but can I apply that to my life? Some of it is time frame based. You'll see what I say as I go through it, but it kind of elicits a thought, an application like, wow, that sounds good. Where could I place it in my life? For instance, verse 1 of chapter 23 of the book of Proverbs says, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Put a knife to your throat. If you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Everybody can understand that. But how do you apply that? I can give you a scene from a movie. Here's a king, and he has all his men before him, and he's looking down at them, and he's wondering, which one of them want my position? Where will this insurrection be? Who will be the first to commit this mutiny? So he gathers all his men around the table, and he sets out the food, and he's looking for the one who is enjoying it the most? Who's digging in? Who seems to be going a little? Who, who is relishing in this position? Who's looking at me with jealous eyes? You guys see it? And here, the proverb being written by a king is saying, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, think, stupid. If you like eating food, don't, because he's watching you. Now, how do you apply that to your life? Well, that's something you have to decide. Your boss asks you out to eat. Maybe you went out with your, your, your new boyfriend's parents. or Who knows what it is that you can apply this situation to, but this is what's going to happen in this set of Proverbs. Starting now, pretty much through the end, you're going to wonder, well, how could I apply that to my life? And this is also the magic, if I can use that word, of the Proverbs, where you can read them a thousand times over and over, and then all of a sudden something happened in your life yesterday, and you read that proverb, and you go, there it is. Finally, I understand that proverb now. Verse 3, 4, should I say, we could all understand. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes 
on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Let me, obviously, every man has ever... Growing up as a baby boomer, I was a lazy person. I did everything I can do not to work. The easy buck was my way. If I can break the law to do it, it didn't matter. I wanted the easy way. So when God broke my life down, I moved to Florida in my early 20s, and I discovered something. When I worked hard, I didn't need to rely on anybody else. And I used that as a point of pride, so to speak. You know what? I didn't know if I would just work hard, I don't need anybody. So what happened was I became a workaholic. I started my own business. I still had a job. I did all of these things to stay busy. And in so doing, I discovered that you can have a little bit of um, financial security. It was nice. After living out of my car, I moved to Florida. In my first few months, I was homeless, living out of my car. And then I met this smoking hot sugar mama. And she said, after we had a couple of kids, you know, honey, working 80, 90 hours a week is too much. And I would say to her, I can't believe you're complaining because I'm working. I'm doing this so you could have a better life. All the things I promise you, I want to give you. She said, but all we want is you. Your kids want you. They want to be around. We can live in a smaller house. We don't need two cars. We want you. Ah, I couldn't. Now, because of the way I was brought up, it was, it galled me. I was, you know, she don't know what she's talking about. You know, I have to do this. But now, with a little hindsight, you know, don't overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Don't set your eyes on that which is not. Because if you have all the money in the world and don't got your family, you got nothing. For you know why? Riches, they make themselves wings. And they fly away like a jellyfish. I just wanted to see if you were listening. And it's kind of funny. He goes back, verse 6, he goes back to verse 1. Just he says it in a different way. And we know that when he says something twice, what does that mean? It means he really means it. <laughs> Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you. But his heart's not with you. And that morsel you have eaten... You will vomit it up and waste your pleasant words. Now, I seem to think that verse um, 6 through 8 is more of a commentary on verses 1 through 3, isn't it? It kind of explains it in a little more detail. You're stuck with the same situation, though. Where can you apply this to your life? Look for it, because you can. You'll find it. I've often been out with people in my younger days in the street, and they watch you, man. You like this life, huh? I think you like it a little too much. 
If you're a man given to appetite, eat and drink, he says to you. Eat, drink. No, no, that's not my thing. Better to keep your cards close to the chest. You guys know what I mean? Uh, I, I always dug these two, these two sets of verses. Verse 9, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Oh, verse 9 is so important. When you talk to an idiot, when you talk to a fool, when you talk to a dopey kid, and you try to explain to him life, he's going to hate you because you're smart. People who hear the truth do one of two things. If they're wise, they become wiser. If they're fools, they hate you for it. Be careful. I heard it put like this. If you've ever walked into a bathroom and turned the light on and there's roaches in there, they scatter, right? It's kind of a crazy thing because the same light that draws moths scatters cockroaches. Be careful where you shine that light of wisdom. Interesting, right? Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Verse 10 is another tough application one. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty, and he will plead their cause against you. Now, we, last week we looked at this. We know the landmark is, in our time, it's, a, it's a, uh, the Eiffel Tower, it's the, the what do you call it? Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty. It's any landmark. It, it could be anything. But according to biblical times, a landmark was set out to tell, to differentiate, to delineate one person's property from another. So when the, when the land was being divvied up, they would have to put a flag out, they would have to put a, a stone wall up, and this is where my property is. So here... The proverb writer is saying something very interesting. Now, as a man of great means, I, I love his, his perception here. As I mean, obviously, um, Solomon was a pretty perceptive human being, but he wants you to know the fatherless and the widow, their Redeemer is mighty. Don't mess with them. And the implication here is fascinating. It's like, the weaker you are, the more God's got you. You see this, guys? It's kind of an interesting, for their Redeemer. Put a little emphasis on the word there. For their, wait a second, is he any mightier than my Redeemer? It's the same thing, but he holds those people a little closer. Why? They need it. Interesting, I, lo I love the, the little nuances here. Verse 12, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Let me explain this to you in our terms. Verse 12, you ready for the paraphrase of verse 12? Watch this. Keelan, readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. Hated books growing up, didn't like school, barely went to high school. When I started reading the Bible, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed reading all of a sudden. 
And I started reading other books. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Why did it take me so long? Now, my kids are all just devourers of literature. I mean, honestly, here, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about, man? A book was like kryptonite to you. Okay. Like, if you wanted to scare me away, just show me a book. If it had more than two chapters, it's like, yeah, it's just not happening. Just not. I like reading poetry, like, roses are red, violets are blue, dog poop smells, and so do you. That's great. That's perfect. That was just for me. That was it. That, done. Any more than that was like, oh, you're making me think. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear, ears to words of knowledge. Verse 13, my kids absolutely love this verse. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he shall not die. Before we read verse 13, Solomon takes a little stab at what you would call sarcastic comedy. He says, listen, if you beat your kid with a rod, he's not going to die. And he even expounds on it and says, if you beat him with a rod, you just deliver his soul from hell. That's all. That's all. Now, I had this just discussion. I had a, um, a premarital class with these folks. Um, you guys know that uh, Jesus and Rachel have been coming to church for the last couple months. I'm doing premarital with them. And, and the class that we did the other day was on kids. And we talked about spankings. And anytime we talk about spankings, people have their own perceived understanding of what a spanking is. Now, you all have been in this church and I know where I'm going with this. You know my spiel. And I'm not going to stop doing this spiel because it's, it's super important because it means something to me. In my day growing up, a spanking was when I got my mother or father angry enough, I'd get a backhand or a punch. My mother would often hit me with a broomstick or, or something. Um, my father, you know... Now, I'll be the first to tell you here, I deserved every beating I got. I pushed them so far. I did such stupid things. I mean, like, I did stupid things. Stealing stuff out of their room. They had a penny jar with stealing. I, I mean, just horrible stuff. Who robs from their parents? I mean, that's just horrible. Jaleesa. No way. I'm just teasing. And when I, when I married the woman of my dreams, she taught me how to spank a child. The first thing is, you don't ever do it in anger. But, but that's when it feels best. <laughs> you don't let them get to that point. If they've gotten you so mad that you have to lash out in violence, then you're not doing your job. You're preoccupied with the TV. You're preoccupied with your phone. You're, you're preoccupied so that they're nagging, 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 just asking you for attention. And by the time you get mad, that's not spanking. That's borderline abuse sometimes. A spanking in our house usually happened this wise. We had boards sometimes, depending on the age of the kids, and on these boards, we'd write down all of the things 
that were punishable by spanking. Direct disobedience, defiance, disrespect, all the Ds, and then we'd have to... They aren't here today, the idiots. Which one of you said it? You, you need the spanking? Julian? Let, you know, let me use you as an example. Can you throw me a stick or something. There's one back there. That one. I got a mic stand. So when the kids start to find ways around, well, I didn't do that, but I did. That's okay. We're going to write that down. Now, you have your different levels. Some things are definitely what you call corporal punishment. You know, they get a correction. My wife taught me all these things. A correction, a pow-pow. But some of them are sit-ups, are push-ups, are runs around the block, are extra chores. Everything isn't a beaten. Now, when I say to my kid, ah, oh, you want a beaten? My kids have never gotten a beaten, like I got beatens, like some of you got beatens. Here's a spanking in my house. Yeah, you did that, didn't you? You know what that means. We go in the room, I sit down on the bed, and I tell them. Now, oh, I forgot the most important part. Hands are for loving. Rulers, spoons, southern folk call switches. These are for beating children. That's what God made them for. My, we used to have one called the Board of Education. And you sit down and you look at them and you say, now, you know and I know you messed up. I've let you get away with it 10 times. I can't let you get away with it anymore. Because the Bible says, if I don't spank you, I don't love you. And you know I love you. So you take the child in your arms. You hold her or him close. And you take that stick and you spank them. And you don't spank them on the hiney or the thigh. You write this skin right here in between. It hurts most. And it lasts a while. Because I'm really hoping she does. If she didn't love you, she won't spank you. Now, when you spank the child, you grab them in your arms, you tell them how much you love them, you tell them you're sorry you had to do this, because you don't like doing this. Sometimes. And then the most important part of a spanking, now it's over. Let's go back to life. Not, you get a 15-minute timeout with that. You're now punished for a week. Do one or the other. Punish them for a week. Give them a timeout. Spend, but whatever you're giving them, that's it. It's now over. Let's get over. Now, if you have multiple children, like myself and my wife, you'll notice some kids you got to spank more often than others. Some you never have to spank. But believe me when I tell you, it's really important to make sure they know when, to get, when, when they mess up, spank them. We have solved more major problems with kids by teaching them, you put up a board and you write down what they, the, 
the crime and the punishment. And make sure you leave a lot of space at the bottom because kids find ways around it. And okay, we'll add that so next time I can beat you for it. Who didn't take out the garbage? I forgot. I forgot. Well, how many times do you forget before you get a spanking, Julian? From now on, forgetting is punishable by 20 sit-ups. Nikki's bitter. She's been inundated with kids. You guys understand? You got to get creative. And here's most, most important. Um, not most important, but here's what's super important. Talk to other people who have kids that are older. Ask for help. Don't, don't, don't be the people that run around the church with those kids. Those are those kids. Yeah, that's that kid. We know about that kid, that kid, that kid. Don't do that. Man, ask for help. I mean, I can't tell you how my in-laws helped us. I can't tell you how my wife helps my daughters now. Ask for help, man. Man, this kid's really kicking my butt. I, I need help here. I, it's a shorter Bible study today because of the, the layout of the, the thing, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll dwell here just another minute. Austin and Elena are having problems with Silas. Silas gets up in the middle of the night probably four or five times, and he knows that open the door. So he opens the door and he goes in and it's party time. He, he wakes them up and he wakes up the other kids and, and now it's three o'clock in the morning, it's four o'clock in the morning, it's five o'clock in the morning, it's 1.30 in the morning and he wants a party. So Austin says, man, what do we do with this kid? I say, let him come in the room. Leave the door open. Have a bed, let him sleep in your bed. My son slept in bed with us till he was 14. I'm teasing, but it felt like that, believe me when I tell you. My wife says, oh no, you, you leave a spoon at the door and you spank. You're not going to agree on everything. It's okay. Try stuff. Ask. But don't wait till your kid is 12, 13, 14, and he's that kid. And he's sneaking out the window to party. He's driven you nuts. And more, and listen. Married couples, he's driven a wedge in between you and your spouse. And if you think them kids don't do that, you're out your mind. They know how to conquer and divide. Believe that. Continuing, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Here, Solomon speaking to his son. And believe it or not, Solomon only has one recorded son in the Bible. Very, very interesting about that, but that's another study completely. You look at your kid and you tell him, you know, to hear you speak wise things so blesses my heart. My heart rejoices. Let me tell you about my son. When my son was six, seven, eight years old, he was training at this gym. And virtually every week, there'd be another kid, another family, uh, one of the fighters that would show up to church because my son invited them. My son talked to them about God. And me and my wife's heart used to be so full. Used to be, yes, and this is this verse. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself. Yes, my inmost being will rejoice when you lips speak right things. Let me give you another example of that. My son, Austin, he's been with me since virtually he's 11 years old. Some people 
help their daughters find a husband, I made a husband for my daughter. <laughs> and I taught him about business and negotiation. And now when I listen to him talk to, he goes a little crazy with the car dealers, so that's, I don't want to talk about that. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that to people. But when I hear him talk to, to construction guys and negotiate deals, I listen to him. Just my heart rejoices. He's learned his lessons. You tell your kid that once. Well, I don't tell them enough. I don't, I don't tell my sons and my son-in-laws enough. My son and my son-in-laws enough. My heart rejoices when I hear you speak right things. And it's so also important. I love the way he's placed that verse right after that other verse. Hey, encourage your kid, man. As much as, you're, as much as your correction teaches them, believe me, your encouragement changes them. If you're not giving, oh, I'm just not giving in to nice words, get given to them. How many people have heard, oh, I've never heard my father say I love you. That scares me. Do not, verse 17, let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord, the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. I love the instruction. It's, again, the instruction of a father. And I think you're, you're seeing a theme throughout chapter 23. It's this, it's this fatherly advice, this wisdom imparted to children. He says, hey, don't be jealous because that guy's got more money. Don't do that. Don't be jealous of, of the drug dealers. And they, I grew up in my neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood called Howard Beach in Queens. The mobsters had the nice cars. The mobsters had the nice women. The mobsters had the power. The, man, all we wanted to be, we looked at the man, wish I was, man, I want to get close to them. It's the same thing that happens in, in the other ghettos. The, 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 the gangbangers, man, they got the nice stuff, man. They got the swag. Your kids are going to see that. Son, don't let your heart, daughter, don't let your heart envy sinners. Your, your young girls, they look at the other girls that are dressing like the click clockers or the, the YouTubers and TikTokers, click clockers, whatever they are. And they want to do that. They want to wear the shorts up the butt. They want to wear the skimpy little top and show off the goodies. Hey, try to tell these girls. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Be zealous for the fear of the Lord. You know why? Because there is a hereafter. And your hope, daughter, it won't be cut off. The things I'm teaching you, they will bear fruit in your life. And someday you're going to thank me for this. Every single one of us here wishes we could have given our spouse purity. And the vast majority of us didn't. You know what I'm talking about. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. All through life, you will hear people say, follow your heart, Matthias. Follow your heart. To thine own self be true. Or the Satanic Bible, written by Anton LaVey, says, 
do what thou wilt. This is the whole of the law, he writes Anton LaVey in the Satanic Bible. Follow your heart. Do what you are. The Bible says just the opposite. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 17 says, you know your heart above all things is deceitful and wicked. No man knows the heart. It's desperate, deceitful, wicked. Don't ever follow your heart. Rarely will your heart and the wisdom of God line up. Very rarely. And all through Scripture, matter of fact, I love what Ezekiel said. You know what God's going to do? He said, eventually he's going to take out that heart of stone of yours, and he's going to put, he's going to have to replace your stinking heart. It's so bad. Here, the first thing he says at the beginning of this little uh, section, he says, guide your heart in the way. And then he says, do not mix with wine bibbers or gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. Food coma and hangovers make you lazy, don't they? Control yourself, man. Watch what you eat. Take care of yourself. Watch what you drink. If, you, if, if wine gets you drunk really fast, try not drinking it once in a while, okay? You don't need a beer with every meal you have. Oh, it just takes the edge off. What does your wife say about that edge? She says it makes you stupid. Verse 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. You hear that, young men? Yeah, you didn't hear it, did you? That's, that's punishment right there. Correct him. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Listen, guys, let me put this in a better way. Let's take an adult. Forget about the kids because it's an easy application for them. But let's take this to the adults. Listen to your father. Hey, you know what? Maybe you're not talking to your parents enough. Yeah, but we never had a good relationship when I didn't ask you that. Just go and listen to him. Don't hate your mother. Yeah, but my mother. Let it go, man. You're an adult now. Listen to your father. Didn't say obey. Didn't say you got to do it. He said, just, just sit, be a listening ear. These are instructions, and they're important. Listen to your father. And don't hate your mother. Yeah, but she... Let it go, man. Especially daughters. Sometimes daughters and mothers, oh my goodness. They're so much alike, they're like sandpaper and vinegar and blah. Like, God, just stop fighting already. No, my mother, she thinks she can tell me what to do. You're an adult now. When are you going to let it go? When? You, but you don't know what she did to me. But she can't do it no more. She never apologized. Who cares? You're doing okay. My mother used to so make me mad. I hated my parents for so long. And then becoming a Christian and reading all this stuff really changed the way I had to look at them. Because my mother would say, we'd get into arguments. And I'd say, yeah, well, you did this, this, this. And she'd look at me and she'd go, and it made you what you are today. 
I really hate you. Like, really, really hate you. You had nothing to do with what I am now. Oh, she was so bad. And you got to grow. Listen, you got to get out of 30, and you got to leave that stuff behind. Just got to take them for who they are, what they are, and let it go. Listen to your father. Just listen. Don't hate your mother. Interesting application there, right? Remember I said, now with these section of verses, you got to find application? That's the application I found for that. And it really changed my life. It really did. Bitterness towards your parents will really, really ruin your life, guys. Like, ruin your life. This verse is, is for our time and for our day and age. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Before we read the second part of it, buy the truth and do not sell it. Is the truth for sale? It is for sale. The New York Times, the Washington Post, Fox, CNN, uh, MSNBC, the truth is for sale. And here, the, the proverb writer writes, I want you to buy it, but never sell it. Whatever it takes, get the truth, but never let it be for sale. Let me give you, for instance, going back about, man, it's got to be 25 years, we had this big Easter service in, um, remember the, uh, uh, the soccer stadium? Lockhart. Lockhart, is that Lockhart? Okay. My father and my mother were in town. They hadn't lived in Florida yet. And me and my mother and father and Faye and Richard and Joy, and I think we only had two kids at the time, we went to this service. And this is so great. I, man, I just, listen, don't think less of the dude, but just listen to the story. It's interesting. My father is telling Richard, yeah, this ain't my thing. I'm from a Catholic background. And, and Richard's kind of like patronizing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. And Faye turns around and said, don't you dare tell him that it's okay. Ron, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to go to hell. Now, Richard had his way of patronizing by, and still showing love and tenderness, but Faye wanted my father to know and wanted her husband to know the truth ain't for sale here. Here's the truth. We don't know how many times you're going to get. We don't know how many times. At the time, they didn't come to church. you remember that, baby? She just, she laid him out. She laid out her husband and my father all at once, that little itty-bitty thing. She, she told don't you tell him. And here's what else, the second half of this verse. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. He said, in our time, all these things are for sale. Hey, you guys know about Omicron thingy? Omicrami, Omicrami. Omicron, what's it called? Huh? Yes, the new variant of, of, you know, do you know that unless you get the vaccine, you can get this thing? You know that? And the guy that's shouting that loudest happens to own the vaccine company. He's the CEO. Wait a second. If I don't get your vaccine, I might get Omicron. Yes. What about the other vaccines I got? 
They don't work. Moron, right? Yeah, I heard that. Somebody did tell me that. Hey, uh, how many people have died from Omicron? Uh, none. What are the symptoms like? They're really light. Why do I need a vaccine then? Because they need another billion dollars in their bank account. And the truth is for sale. Science is for sale. Integrity is for sale. It's all for sale. Here, this proverb writer, 3,000 years ago, he writes, I want you to buy the truth and never sell it. Also, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. God forbid you ever sell that out. Don't be for sale. We're in the middle of this court case. This guy's suing me from 15 years ago. I was in a warehouse, and I left the warehouse, and he says the warehouse dies. We're going through this whole court case. My lawyer says, we need to hire an expert witness. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we need somebody who, who can say this, that, or the other. I'm like, what are you going to say? Well, that the smell can't get in the wall. What if we don't hire a guy? Well, then they're going to hire a guy. They're going to hire the same guy? I don't know. So you mean if we pay him enough, he'll say that the smell could stay in the wall? But if we don't, he'll say that... You guys see this? That's our society. Wisdom, instruction, understanding, truth, it's all for sale. Don't be for sale, y'all. Don't be for sale. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. So let your father, I add the word so, and mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. Now I'm talking to the kids. Man, you, 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 want, you want your parents to be happy? Let them see you're wise. My grandfather used to come over the house. My grandfather, you guys heard the story, he died at 99 years old, received Christ like a month before he died. It was at, 90, at 99 he received Christ. It was a crazy story. Um, he used to come over to my house. Me and my wife had this house up in West Palm Beach. It's the first time we bought it. We paid $147,000 for a house. Oh, my goodness. We thought we'd never be able to afford it. Our rent was like... I mean, our mortgage was like almost $1,100 a month. I was like, I'm going to die. Well, we went on there, and lo and behold, God showed up, and we actually were able to afford the, the mortgage. And I built a fence. And my grandfather, he was this guy who talked like this. Everything he talked about, P.S. How much that fence cost you, Ryan? Oh, I put, that, I put that fence up myself. The dog was getting out, and I had to put it. You put that up yourself? How much it cost you? How much was that paint? How much? Was, every time you said something that he liked, you're a smart fella. Every time he said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I could have come over and done that. Grandpa, you're 87 years old. What do you, I could still work. Crazy. And I just, it just reminds me, you know, you, you, you become a wise kid. You, you become a wise guy. You make your parents happy. There's nothing wrong with being, making them happy. Don't be an idiot. Continuing. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Before we go on to verse 27, again, same thing. 
the encouragement. It, th that's why these delineations between the, the chapters and verses here seem to make so much sense in the book of Proverbs because he seems to really be focusing on giving instruction to kids here. My son, give me your heart. You know this dude had teenagers at this point. Begging them, please don't leave me. Remember when you were a kid and I was your hero and I was the strongest and I was the smartest. Now I'm an idiot and I'm not near as smart. Come on, please give me your heart. Let your eyes observe. Do what I do. You guys with me? For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Now, how could this dude be such a hypocrite? I don't know. I mean, just honestly for a second, meaning no disrespect, and I don't want to get into like a big hassle with him when I get to heaven. But dude, you had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and you're looking at your kid and you're saying, stay away from loose women. Really? Really? Which is amazing because my father used to say to me, do as I do, not as, do as I say, not as I do. Did anybody ever hear that saying? Do as I say and not as I do? Like, I'm sorry. They're always going to do what you do and not what you say every time. So when he says, my son, observe, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. It's like Solomon, dude, really? Really? But let's, for argument's sake, just before we finish up our Bible study. One lover. That's all you need your whole life. One. That's all you need. God will bring them to you. God will bring her to you. You spend the rest of your life. You're not missing nothing. Except heartbreak. Misery. You'll feel like you fell down a narrow well or in a deep pit if you find the wrong person. I told these two people that I met with on Sunday, do you know why a man gets married? There's one reason. Why, Austin? Because God tells him so. A man gets married because God tells him to. You know why a woman gets married? You ladies ain't going to like this one bit. To help that man be the best he can be. You are called to be his help meet. You're there to help him follow the dreams of ministry that both of you have. You are there to support him while he serves God. And if you'll follow that in your brain, you'll be happy your whole life. You only marry somebody who loves God more than they love you. Otherwise, they ain't worth marrying. If they love you more than they love God, you're in trouble. Because you ain't going to look the same. You ain't going to feel the same. You ain't going to act the same. You ain't going to be the same person. 
If they love God more than they love you, that's the first sign, maybe this is the one. Second sign, you got a verse from the Lord. Man, God gave me a verse on this. On this. Ladies, you look at this man and you say, I can support him serving God. I can serve God alongside of him. If you can't say that, then why would you even consider marrying this dude if he's not ministry-minded? Especially in these last days. Now, some of you guys might, wait a second, I'm already married. <laughs> Listen, it's never too late to become the best you you can be. God says every single day, behold, I make all things new. You think me and my wife, before we got saved, we were on the same page spiritually? Not even close. First I got serious about the Lord, and she wasn't serious about the Lord, then she got serious about the Lord. Now, it took time, it took, it took, it took hard work. But my wife, I'm only here doing what I'm doing because my wife is there doing what she's doing. I'll be the, you know that saying, behind every good man is a good woman? Well, behind every loser is a great woman. Flat out telling you the truth. Now, he goes into this poetry. He changes from like this uh, prose to poetry, these proverbs to an interesting thing. Listen to this and <laughs> just be fried. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies down at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I wasn't hurt. They've beaten me, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? You know what blows me away about this? Every day that I watch TV, I watch the fights, I watch the, I see the new alcohol that comes out. El Diablo, Ricardi 151 with lime infused mint. And here's the new cup you're drinking in. When me and my wife go out to restaurants, I see them walk by with these glasses. Like every drink, I still see, there's like a martini glass now, you know what I mean? And, and a margarita glass, and it's got the salt. They have to have something new this bartender, he made this drink up. But it's all the same thing. It all boils down to the alcohol that's in it so you can get drunk and get stupid and buy more of it. And it's like, look at this. In 3,000 years, what's changed? Alcohol is still alcohol. No matter how they do the, 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 the nice woman, the, the pretty woman drinks, the, the men, the, the, the men, you, you, they got the rock stars, you know, the fighters that, that making proper 12, you know, proper 12 for a dim. 
It's the stupidest thing in the world. Listen, listen again, listen again. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Hey guys, me and my wife before Christ, every time we'd go out, every time we drank, we'd get into a fight. Without question, every single time, and not once did we go, you know, maybe we shouldn't drink, we'd probably get along better. Not once. Somehow, all we would remember is, we had a good time, didn't we? Maybe you had a good time. I didn't have a good time. Not even close. Who has complaints? You know what? I saw you look at that girl. I didn't look at that girl. I'm lying. I saw you look at that girl. You're the worst boyfriend I ever had. You've had other boyfriends? Nonstop. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause and redness of eyes? Come on. How the heck did that happen? What? You never woke up and went, I, did I get punched in the face last night? How did this guy know so much about alcohol? Because it ain't changed in thousands and thousands of years. And we buy it. Why do you think they call it wine and spirits? It's evil spirits. Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. I'm from a neighborhood where the bars closed. 11, 12. But there's a club in Brooklyn that's open till 3. After hours clubs. Go home at 12, take a shower, go to Miami. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. I don't think there's a better sound. I, honestly, I could be, tell me if this doesn't get you. When the show you're watching, all of a sudden a beer commercial comes on and you hear, and it, it sounds like bacon frying. It's the greatest sound. I'm like, man, that does sound good. I, I haven't drink it. I can't even. It's 20 some odd years since I've had a drink of beer. I can't even tell you. I haven't gotten drunk in 30 years. But man, oh, that's cool. I want to go get a beer just to hear that sound. Nothing's changed thousands of years. He says, man, don't be seduced by the color, by the swirl, but don't be seduced by that. It's all the same thing. It's advertisement meant to poison and destroy you. Your eyes, they'll see strange things. Your heart will utter perversities. You lose your inhibition. Do you know how many women I know? Growing up in my neighborhood, 
I was 14, I was 15, I was 16, I got drunk. He got me drunk. I was drinking. And they make all the worst choices. Because at the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I wasn't hurt. They have beaten me. I didn't feel it. When shall I awake? I need another drink. I don't care what it takes. You need to stop drinking. It's just no good for you. And if you're like one of those people that can drink a glass of wine once in a while, you go to a restaurant, you drink a glass of wine, you sit down and drink a beer. If you're like one of those people, I say congratulations. Good for you. I ain't one. Me and my wife, whenever me and my wife go out, you know, the lady comes out, hey, would you guys like a cocktail? And the first thing I do is look at her, ask my wife. Every time I say the same thing, you don't want me drunk in this place. Don't do it. Not good. I am, I call, I, I have a funny joke. Instant, you know what, just add alcohol. The worst. My personality changes. I become horrible. Don't, I don't, just don't. My grandfather on my mother's side, I never met the guy. My mo mother always told me he died of alcohol poisoning. He was just a stone-cold alcohol. You can't do it. My parents are both dead because of drugs. You, you, you guys, you're going to die young if you poison your bodies. And, and, and if you do enough drugs, you get older and you stop, you still got to deal with what's left in your body. Don't do it. Anyway. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word, the instruction of your word, the wisdom of your word. You're an amazing, amazing writer, God. Thank you, God, for giving me a hunger and a thirst for your word and, and to desire to know more. God, and I pray this wisdom over these people and over my own heart, God, that you help us find the application for all these different things. Thank you so much that there is no question left unanswered, no rock unturned. You have the words of life. We can't go nowhere else, God. And we thank you for that. And we're here to stay. We abide in your word that we would bear much fruit. Lift us up, prune us, whatever you need to do, God, so that we every day look more and more like you. In the name of Christ our King, amen. Amen. amen.